Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio show number 372. How can someone use strategic honesty to become a better leader? So we're going to be talking about powerful lessons for current and future leaders showing you how to use honesty at both the organizational and individual level. I'm Joe Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage for Success core team. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK, involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, engageforsuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list, and all our social media links are there too. My guest today is Peter Kozadoy, author of Honest to Greatness, How Today's Greatest Leaders Use Brutal Honesty to Achieve Massive Success, and he's also an Inc. 5000 entrepreneur. So welcome, Peter. Thanks for joining me. It's great to be here, Joe. Did I pronounce your name right? Because I suddenly had one of those moments where I thought I was going to do it completely wrong again. <laughs> you did great, but it's all good. Even oh, my okay. wife gets it wrong now and then, so you're off the hook. <laughs> you, I had to pause and really think about that then. <laughs> um, excellent. So thanks for joining us. Start by telling us a bit uh, about who you are and what you do. Yeah, it's my pleasure. My story actually starts as a failed male figure skater in my teens, believe it or not. Oh, wow. I grew up on the other side of the pond here in the Boston area. I'm in the New York area now. And uh, yeah, figure skater for, you know, all my, all my life, I mean, three to 18, 19 or so that I retired. Um, I had, you know, Olympic aspirations and the whole works. And then uh, of course, you know, as life happens, that did not work out. Uh, That gave me my first lesson in getting brutally honest with myself about, you know, what, what was possible, what was not possible, where I needed to kind of pivot. Um, Ended up starting my first company at 22 out of university here in the States. Uh, I had, you know, really wonderful timing, Joe. I graduated in 2008, just as the financial world was melting down. So, you know, good job, Peter, on that. Uh, Started a company, uh, struggled for many, many years, and eventually built that into an international marketing agency, uh, you know, multi-million dollar level, lots of employees in different states and offices in the U.S. and Canada, and worked with everyone from startups to Mr. Warren Buffett himself. So it was quite the wild ride. Wow. Well, first time I don't think I've ever had a figure skater on my uh, radio show. <laughs> it's a unique, yeah, it's a unique one. That's why I like to, to put that out there. <laughs> exactly. And uh, interesting um, to see that transition from you saying, you know, struggled for a long time and then, you know, was really successful. So I'm sure some of that will come out in and what we talk about today. Um, so your book is Honest to Greatness, and we're talking here about how important honesty is in terms of becoming a better leader and I mentioned to you before we started the show that uh, one of the four enablers of engagement that we talk about all the time within engaged success is about organizational integrity so that bit about not saying a load of stuff and then doing something completely different you know we talk about not having that say do gap and honesty I guess comes in sort of massively in, in that enabler but then our other enablers of a strategic narrative so talking about where we've been where we are where we're going in an organization you can see where organizations aren't honest <laughs> when they share some of that information at times so that I guess is uh, something we could uh, talk about and then you know we talk about engaging managers and treating people as individuals and then the the third uh, sorry the fourth enabler 
um, is employee voice. And so I can, you know, straight away see where the sort of things that you're going to be talking about sits across all of those enablers. So look, really looking forward to the conversation today. So start by talking about how you define honesty. What is honesty and where did this all come from in terms of writing a book on the topic? Yeah, well, the wonderful thing, Joe, about um, writing and speaking about honesty is I get to be honest, right? So I, I did not set out mm -hmm. to write about uh, or speak about or frankly even care about honesty. It was not on my <laughs> radar at all. Um, you know, as I said, you know, we built a company that worked across 30 industries and from, you know, startups to the Fortune 500 here in the States. And I was always just, I would use the word confused, baffled, shocked that clients that we interacted with and companies we came across fell into two buckets. You know, the first we would go into their organizations and speak with their employees and their customers and their frontline managers and executives and, you know, get, unearth all these insights about who they were and where they were trying to go and what they needed to do from a communication standpoint to get there. And we would get all this great data and pass it back to the executive team. The executive team would look at it and go like, okay, all right, so this is who they think we are. This is what we need to do. All right, let's do it. And for those clients, like we just crushed it. I mean, they would make millions of dollars, get five, 600% return on their investment with us. Everyone's happy, right? Mm -hmm. With other clients, we would do the same kind of work, you know, go into their frontline teams and their employees and their customers and their managers and you unearth all these insights and, okay, here's who they think you are and here's what we need to do and here's how the industry is evolving and so on and so forth. And we'd present it all to the executive team. Then they would just blow up on the launch pad. They would descend into infighting and politics and, and BS. And I used to sit there and be like, what are these people, stupid? I mean, like, what is going on here? And, and, you know, of course, I think that was my own, you know, hubris. No one gets to the top of a $100 million organization by being stupid. So clearly it was <laughs> something else. And I could never really put my finger on what that was. Um, and, you know, over time, looking at other case studies, you know, I went back to school, got an MBA at Columbia, uh, you know, looking at our work with Warren Buffett, you know, looking at all these cases, I tell, you know, one of the first stories in my book, the case of Blockbuster and Netflix. I mean, we had this massive video a rental company uh, here in the States, Blockbuster, and Netflix came and just put them completely out of business, even though Blockbuster had years and opportunity after opportunity to move to streaming media, to buy Netflix, to partner with Netflix, all this stuff, they just missed the boat, right? Why does this happen? And what I ultimately ended up finding, Joe, was that organizations and their leaders, they don't make these massive mistakes and you know, run themselves out of business because they're stupid. They actually do it for a much more sinister reason, which is that they are fundamentally dishonest uh, on the levels that I describe it, right? And so you asked, you know, what is that, right? What does that even mean? It's, I think most people, you know, people who uh, got very excited about this, they're like, oh, Peter, you're writing a book about honesty. That's fantastic. I'm honest all the time. I just tell it like it is. I don't care what people think. And I turn to them and I'm like, well, you know, thank you for sharing that, but you're probably not honest. You're probably just a jerk, right? Like that's not, we're not talking about just like blurting out what you think is the truth 100% of the time. That's not what this is. Um, in fact, you know, one of the CEOs in my book makes a great point. He's like, if you're flying in an airplane and the pilots come over the intercom and they say, you know, well, folks, so we've never seen storm clouds like that before. So please put your seatbelt on. Not quite sure if we're going to be able to land this bird, but we're going to try. Like, is it honest? Yeah. But is it helpful? <laughs> Not really. Right. You're going to cause panic and all sorts of other stuff. So yeah. what I did in the in the book, Joe, you know, through, again, just a lot of research and, and experience and diving into this is I stratified honesty into three layers. And the first you know, layer is getting honest about what I call the community. You know, in other words, what's happening in the world? 
what's happening in our industry? I mean, it's 2020, right? We're in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. Uh, we have racial inequality and gender bias and, you know, income inequality, all the stuff happening. We can't put our heads in the sand about this, right? You know, we operate in this environment. We can't pretend that things are going to go back to the way they were or that this is sort of a temporary thing. We, we do that at our, at our own risk, right? We operate in these big sweeping changes and we need to be attuned to those trends in business. Otherwise, we, we miss the boat. You know, we say, hey, well, we bought a ping pong table. Why, why are our our best people still leaving. Well, it's not about the table, right? It's about the culture. It's about the values, it's about this and that. And we'll, we'll get into that a little more, I'm sure. The second level, Joe, is honest with and about the others around us. Now, you know, as a personal leader in your own you know, life, that could be your friends, family, et cetera. But in business, we talk about you know, your colleagues, your peers, your direct reports, your bosses, your vendors, your suppliers, and so on. We need to be honest with people sometimes. Sometimes we just need to level with them, right? You know, listen, uh, I messed up. I'm sorry. Uh, here's what I'm doing to, to make this better and, and you deserve better. And I'm trying, right. That goes a long way. We have this very human thing that like, we don't kick people when they're down. Usually. I mean, some people do, maybe you do. I right. It happens, <laughs> but not usually. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. But no, other times, not usually. <laughs> not usually right? Other times though, we need to be honest about people, about their biases, their self-limiting beliefs, their experiences, right? How different they are from us, how, how differently they may, they may think. This is where deep empathy comes into play. And this is where so often I see companies and cultures miss the boat. You know, they're not honest about the people around them. They're like, well, you know, we think everything's fine. So they must think everything's fine too. It's like, no, why don't you ask your employees? Why don't you ask your customers what they think? Most people are afraid to. Right. They're afraid that whatever information they find out might conflict with their own viewpoint. And we see this all the time. We, my gosh, we saw it all year long here in the States with you know, American politics, uh, the unwillingness to be open minded and, and be willing to admit that we might be wrong. or We might not know. And so that brings us to the final level, which is getting honest with and about ourselves you know, with our own biases and self-limiting beliefs as leaders and taking the time to make sure that our own ego isn't getting in the way of the outcomes that we want. Because believe it or not, that, that happens so often. And I coach hundreds of entrepreneurs helping them build multi-million dollar companies. And I have a quote I repeat to them, which is 99% of business problems are personal problems in disguise. And so it's up to us to get honest about, you know, how our inability to sell is really uh, a lack of confidence in self, right? Or, or so on and so forth. What I found, Joe, is that the leaders and organizations that get honest on all three levels, you know, with community, with others, and, and with and about themselves, ultimately they're able to capitalize on trends, to get out of their own way, to see things not as they want them to be, but as they really are. And those companies are the ones that end up absolutely dominating their industries and earning outsized profitability. Like, listen, I, I think people should be honest, right? This is not an ethics book though. Like this is not, I think people should be ethical. That's nice, right? You should be a moral person. Like we all should. That's not what this book is about. This book is about how do you achieve outcomes in a world where everyone knows the truth anyway, they're going to see the video on YouTube anyway, you know, then what? And that's really what this book is all about. Mm -hmm. So that's, the sort of you know what's honesty and, and the, the levels and how that all all works and you said near the beginning of that uh, about people you know saying oh I'm honest and you said you know actually quite often they're just jerks because they just blurt stuff out all the time which they you know say is them being honest <laughs> um, mm -hmm. 
but how how do you how do you then get leaders to 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 be honest looking at those three levels that you talked about without as you say just blurting stuff out all the time with with no reference to the impact it's going to have you know what how does that happen how does that work <laughs> the key word is curiosity if we can get people to be less assertive in their own beliefs and quote unquote knowledge right things we know mm. and more curious then we can win extremely uh, good battles as, as leaders in our own rights, right? And so let me give you, you know, two simple questions that literally have the power to change your life. And they are, is that true? And how do I know? And this can be used whether you're, uh, you know, watching a headline on TV or looking at your great aunt Millie's, you know, political Facebook post, or a thought comes into your head, or you're at a board meeting or whatever, just stop and ask, is that true? Is that information coming at me true? And how do I know? Because so often, Joe, we're operating on a foundation that isn't even true to begin with, right? News, quote unquote, and facts that aren't even actually true to begin with. No wonder we all have, you know, such, uh, you know, tough relationships out there in the world. We're not operating out of an honest base. So, you know, one of the biggest turning points that I want everyone listening to have as a leader and to inspire and the others around you is to ask them, you know, hey, is, is, is what we're talking about even true? How do we get at the, the actual facts here and start from there? Because that just by questioning and getting curious about that, you know, hey, how are you actually feeling? Hey, tell me more about that view, viewpoint. Oh, you, you don't want to wear a mask. About, okay, why? What, why not? Well, what are you reading? What are you listening to? What do you believe? Help me understand. Can you imagine how different a society we would build if we just got curious instead of jumping down people's throats with our own viewpoints that may even not be true either. You see? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So many organizations use honesty as, as one of their values or certainly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's the best joke of all, isn't it? <laughs> well, exactly. And often <laughs> exactly <laughs> the, the, the point you're just alluding to. Uh, how, is that what they should be doing? Should should that be one of the things? And if so, how do they make it actually, you know, effective? So it's not just, you know, sign on the wall, like we've said, um, and that's not actually how they're operating. Yeah, well, you know, to me, it's fundamental, right? I, I like to tell uh, the story of a client we had. They were a massive company, multi-billion dollar uh, and of course they have core, there are three core values, right? They put, like you said, on the wall, it's on your mug, it's everywhere, right? One of the core values was something like speed. Well, let me tell you, this was the slowest organization to work for or in, bar none. Everything took forever. You had to get multiple levels of sign-offs. It was just a defensive posture kind of organization. Now, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong with that is you're saying that you are fast, but you're not fast. And so what that does is it causes distrust with people. People say, well, okay, well, now you're saying one thing, you're clearly doing another. What else are you saying one thing and doing another with, right? It, it erodes trust. The, the ironic thing is they would be much better off to just say, you know what? One of our core values is being slow AF. Like we just love being slow. We don't move fast ever. We like to make sure we dot our I's and cross our T's. And, and guess what? They would attract people that were just like that. People who were like, oh, thank goodness. I hate to go fast. I hate to make mistakes. I want to go slow. I want to make sure this is right. So on and so forth. And they would build an honest culture. Uh, you know, it's the, it's the dishonesty inherent in, I think you, you, know, you said it earlier, you know, what we say and what we do. 
that causes so much friction. And so, so what happens? Well, people come in, they're like, oh, speed, great, I love speed, this is fantastic. My core values align with this. And then they get disappointed. And then they try to get stuff done. Everyone gets frustrated and the best people leave. It doesn't have mm. to be that way. You know, they could just be honest about who they are. It's not that difficult. Mm-hmm. One of the um, questions that often comes up when you're talking about setting values for organizations and thinking about the concept of employee voice is, you know, should we set the values as the leaders of the organization and then expect everyone to adhere to them? Or should we collaborate with our employees, or look at our employee voice and develop our values from that, from that, i.e., you know, work with what we've got and sort of develop that further. Um, I'm looking at sort of the honesty thing, thinking, well, again, that could come in in either of those ways. But it, it, how do you, um, what's the best way? Because, you know, honesty is probably something that a lot of companies would aspire to. But how do, how do you make that happen? Um, so I, yeah, so I call this, yeah, it's a great yeah. question. I call this waterfall culture and it works like this in a waterfall culture, every management layer has the responsibility to give to the next layer down all the tools they need, the frameworks they need, the culture they need, the values they need to operate in accordance with what the organization believes. And most importantly, who the organization is. Mm. However, that is their only role in a water, an effective waterfall culture. Whereas most companies, the managers are busy micromanaging the next level, trying to do their job, trying to dictate all the how, right? How these things are accomplished within the culture that creates very work environments. So, you mm-hmm. know, if you pick like a diamond, right, you've got light coming in, light going out. I want all of those, the data, the insights, the ideas to be coming from the uh, customers, the frontline employees, the frontline managers up to the executives, we want that flow to be extremely clear with nothing blocking it. No ego maniacal uh, gatekeeper manager who's busy trying to enforce rules and, you know, steal ideas like no, none of that get out of the way. But in, you know, uh, to balance that out, we need people to send down tools, resources. Hey, do you have everything you need? Great idea. Go do that support. Right. And culture and values. I don't mm-hmm. think culture can come from the bottom. I think it has to be pushed from the top. One of the few things today in, in the 21st century that should be pushed from the top for the simple mm-hmm. reason that, you know, your, your founders, your top, top leaders, they should be in it for the long haul. It should be their vision for who the company is. Then if people at the bottom don't like who the company is, like in my, my example of fast, slow, it's whatever, leave, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, bring in mm-hmm. people that are going to match who the organization really is, not who it says it is, but who it really is. And that's how you can get these really high performing cultures because it's kind of like marriage, Joe, like there's someone for everyone. There's a culture for everyone, you know, and I, I wish companies did a much better job, as I said earlier, being explicit, like here is who we are. If you don't like it, please don't apply. And if you do mm-hmm. resonate with this, come on in. Do we have the spot yeah. for you? Yeah. I love the the waterfall analogy. I've certainly spoken to people before where we've talked about culture and there's been a very clear discussion about, you know, it's not just what's said at the top um, and it's the same everywhere. It's in clusters then because it's all very much driven by the leader of that team. Um, So I love the analogy of of saying, well, let's start doing it and sort of 
thread it through the organisation, but it's still up to those individuals in each of those sections, areas, departments, teams to sort of interpret it and make it real for those people. That's right. And make it effective. One of the best organizations in the world who does this is the Ritz Carlton. You know, certainly, you know, you know, that hotel brand. And they really aren't a hotel company. Most people don't realize they are a hospitality leadership company. In fact, they even have a leadership center. Uh, in which they've trained over 50,000 executives from around the world and in different industries, all kinds of industries, about what it takes to create a waterfall culture um, and what it takes to realize that the people with all the power, you know, the power to deliver results, they are the frontline people. They're not the leaders. You know, that's, that's, you know, a big way in which the Ritz got honest with itself. They said, look, you know, this team of leaders, like we could be the smartest people in the room, but we're in this room. We're not in our mm-hmm. properties around the, the world. How are we going to impact, you know, what happens to uh, Joe Dodds at, you know, the Ritz Carlton in Kuala Lumpur? Not going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Instead, they mm-hmm. needed to do something different. And what they did was they instituted a waterfall culture where they pushed down a heavy, heavy culture of, you know, values. And this is how we behave and this is who we are. And within that structure, they give every employee the right to spend up to $2,000 on a customer engagement. No, they don't have to get an approval, nothing. They are the boss. Mm-hmm. They get to do that. So, you know, it's just, and we see what the Ritz has done, right, with that framework. There's just two, listen, it, you know, 21st century, we all have smartphones. We all have information at our fingertips. That whole command and control, control style, it's done for. It's gone. People, they don't like it. It's not effective. Let it go. And yet it's probably how 80% of the business world functions. Yeah, 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 that's true. So what about if uh, our listeners are working in one of those organizations where it is sort of fundamentally dishonest, it's, it's full of politics, ego, and all those other things that we've, uh, we've talked about, what sort of um, tips have you got for them? And I guess the first one could be leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, it's funny. That is one that several of the CEOs in my book, you know, they, they present two alternatives. They're like, well, you could do this or um, you could just, you know, get out <laughs> and, yeah. and go somewhere where you'll be valued. And I, I actually, you know, don't think that's bad advice. You know, and these were coming from some of the top CEOs uh, here in the U.S. and around the world. But, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you a, few, a few pointers. And the, the entire part three of my book, I divide into, hey, here's how you use this if you're a, you know, executive manager, if you're a middle manager, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a frontline employee, because honesty works universally, right? I mean, we learned it's the best policy, so it could work, and it does, but you have to use it differently depending on where you are, you know? So for folks who are, let's say, you know, middle manager leaders, HR leaders, things of that nature, think in terms of business performance, There is a performance case here. There is a return on honesty. You can look at the case studies in my book. You can use it. uh, You can look at organizations like Just Capital, which rank the most honest, just organizations and prove that they get, I think it's an 8% higher return on equity by acting more honestly than their peers. I mean, there's a real business case here. But the thing is, if you, you know, go as one person into the CEO's office and you tell them, hey, um, you know, you suck and you're a lying sack of crap and here's, here are all the changes we need to make, you're probably going to get fired. So I don't recommend that, that route. Um, but there are things you can do. For instance, don't go into your CEO's office alone. Build a coalition of support. Much harder to disagree with five, six, seven people who have met in order to improve an organization and who have come up with thoughts and recommendations 
to help that organization be more efficient, make more profit, uh, you know, save money, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's hard to ignore a group with those kinds of good intentions. Mm-hmm. And the, the pairing to that is to make sure you use data. This can't be opinion. This can't be I think and I feel has nothing to do with that. It has to be, hey, we polled 100 of our customers, and here is exactly what they're saying they want, and here's what they're saying they do not want. And now we can do, we can do anything, right? We're, you're in charge of the organization. You do whatever you want. But here's the data showing that you know, there's a good decision and a bad decision here. And if you bring data, bring data from Just Capital, bring data from you know, the case studies in my book, then you find out something very important. You find out whether the executive in charge is someone who is looking at objective facts and making objective decisions or someone who's so locked up in their own ego that they can't see the truth. And then, <laughs> to your point, you may want to make a decision to stay or leave. Uh, but there are plenty of good leaders out there. So I hate to see one of the worst things, Joe, is when I go into an organization and I see really excellent people that know exactly what to do and have exactly the savviness uh, to execute it. And they're just being straight up blocked by an executive in charge whose ego is too big to allow the people underneath that person to do their jobs. And, and by the way, make that executive a lot of money. It's it's crazy, but I see it so often. Yeah, yeah. So a question just sort of a bit a bit left field. Um, we, there was some research that uh, we released in conjunction with Ashridge Business School a number of years ago about employee engagement for um, and with uh, chief executives. And one of the things that struck me from that research was that uh, in order to really engage your people as a chief executive, you have to have a level of vulnerability. And that was the, the thing that was coming through on the research as being the bit that concerned the chief executives. You know, they're, they're traditionally supposed to be leading from the front, strong, uh, you know, not to be disagreed with because they know what they're doing and all that sort of thing. And yet to, to engage people properly, you do have to be more vulnerable. And obviously honesty is part of that. And that's something that the chief executives flagged as being really difficult for them. What's your thoughts on how you are honest as a very senior leader, knowing that people are looking to you for direction? Let, let me tell you something. Of all the CEOs I interviewed for my book, Matt was, I mean, some extremely successful, all the way up to Warren Buffett, Ray Dalio, the uh, largest hedge fund in the world, you know, founder, I mean, all kinds of extraordinary people. The number one common trait was that they loved these three little words and they were not, I love you. They were, I don't know. They just constantly sat in a state of, I have no idea what the right answer is. I have no idea. what. And because they were willing to admit that they don't know, the default next action was to rely on the people around them who did know. And they would Mm -hmm. routinely turn to them and say like, you know what? I have no idea if that's a good idea. I have no idea if we should be doing that. Why don't you try it and let's see what happens. And that was just their, their attitude. Most people don't realize, like Warren Buffett, he does very little. I mean, the man barely works. He reads, he meets some interesting people, he thinks, goes to McDonald's every day, drinks a Coke. Then something will happen and he'll take an action. And then months and years will go by and he does nothing else. Like, it's really just a reflective, like, all right, well, you know, what are my managers saying? Okay, that sounds kind of good. Let's do that. I mean, it's not the lead from the front, you know, kind of mindset that we, for some reason, have glorified uh, in yeah. our in business culture. It, it's exactly the opposite. And what happens is that everyone around that leader gets empowered to step up and, and be the, a leader in their own right. And so then yeah. if you think about it intuitively, you've taken 
all of the onus, the burden from one person, and you've diversified it onto a group of smart people. And don't we know that diversity works? Of course it does. So, you know, for any of you out there that think you need to know the answer, the, actually the strategy is to just not know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. Thank you. We've literally got about a minute and a half left. <laughs> um, a young leader listening to this, thinking about how they can be more honest in their role moving forward. One tip, because we haven't got long. <laughs> Understand your own core values. So often we spend so much time thinking about the company's core values. You as an individual have core values, things you believe that are true to your soul. And when you're in conflict with those, when you have to act like someone that you're really not, everyone suffers. You suffer, the organization suffer, your peers suffer. Get into honest alignment with who you really are and what you really want. Find an organization who values that and everyone wins. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. I really love that. That's, and it's so of the moment, isn't it, when we talk about, uh, you know, the new generations and looking for meaning, find your absolutely. own meaning and find something to match it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, it's been a really interesting conversation. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for being honest. I'll remember that. <laughs> so just to let you know, next week, uh, Joe Moffat is back talking to Simon Gross from Foundation SP. And uh, they're talking about their experiences and strategy throughout the pandemic. FSP have been ranked number one on three separate occasions by Great Place to Work UK. And uh, Simon's returning to the show. Um, so uh, looking forward to hearing that next week. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.